0: Welcome, and this is the Valley View Friends Church Sunday Morning Podcast. This is Pastor Josh. I am so glad to share this time with you today. Thanks for joining me. At Valley View Friends Church, we're learning how to live as God's people concerned with reaching and restoring hearts and homes with Jesus. If you want to learn more about our church, look us up on our website, at valleyviewfriendschurch.org. I want to encourage you to subscribe to the podcast, that way you can easily get the next episode. Now let's turn our attention to this week's message. Thomas Carlyle writes, A man without a purpose is like a ship without a rudder, a waif, a nothing, a no-man. Have a purpose in life, and having it, throw such strength of mind and muscle into your work as God has given you. Ah, Pretty good words. But too many of us are drifting along unsure of our purpose. Now, there are many purposes that we can have in life, but ultimately, our purpose is to know God and to spend eternity in heaven with Him. Last week, we talked about how God Himself is holy, He is set apart, and that holiness is awesome in power, and sin cannot exist in His holy presence. We also talked about how, fortunately, Jesus has purchased salvation for everyone and anyone who would believe in him and declare him to be Lord of their life. And then, with that salvation, we can enter into the holy presence of God. But what then? What is the purpose of the Christian? Of the many purposes we have, one of the primary ones is that we are to grow more and more holy. Christians are to be a holy people. I want to begin by sharing a passage of Scripture with you that has an ominous feel to it. And this ominousness means, well, we should take all scripture seriously, but this ominousness means that we really should take this one seriously. It comes from Hebrews chapter 12, verse 14, and it reads like this, Make every effort to live in peace with everyone. And to be holy. Without holiness, no one will see the Lord. That's such a powerful verse, such a strong verse. I want to read it again. Make every effort to live in peace with everyone and to be holy. Without holiness, no one will see the Lord. Boy, those words are strong. Without holiness, No one will see the Lord. These words are actually, if you think about it, they're a bit terrifying. What are we to make of this? Is it true? Well, these are the words of God, so they are true, but what do they mean? Does holiness supersede the power of Jesus Christ to forgive? Well, certainly not. His power is ultimate. But you and I need to understand the inseparable link between salvation and sanctification or holiness. We need to understand the link between being saved and becoming holy. Both come through the power of Jesus Christ. You cannot permit one into your life without the other. So today, the Christian and really everyone should take seriously the business of holiness. It is our eternal vocation or our eternal purpose. So today I want to talk and speak to you about holiness, about being a holy people. And that's not a topic that people like, because most of us would rather hear about forgiveness, the forgiveness of God, the love of God, of feeling fulfilled, of of finding our purpose— but most of the time, people don't like hearing about something that is wrong with them or that needs fixing. We don't like being told our flaws, that there's something we need to try to attain to because there's a mistake in us. But God designed you and me to be holy. Sin's gotten in the way of that. And Jesus has dealt with sin, so now he invites us to be holy. Holy. I'm going to add right up front here that much of what I want to share today comes from a book written by J.C. Ryle entitled Holiness. It is a Christian classic. It was published in 1879. Its language is a little bit older. I'll have several quotes from it today, so you might hear that, the older language there. Um, but it's still a very readable book, and and Ryle has a way of offering clear reason and a solid foundation of Scripture, but also a sharp jab that reveals our human shortcomings. Here's a little excerpt from that book, Holiness, and it speaks of the need of not just saving faith, which he calls justification, but also of holiness, which he uses the word sanctification for. And so Ryle writes these words, All justified people are sanctified, and all sanctified people are justified. What God has joined together, let no man dare put asunder. Tell me not of your justification, unless you also have some marks of sanctification. Boast not of Christ's work for you, unless you can show us the Spirit's work in you. Do not think that Christ and the Spirit can ever be divided. Those are pretty impressive words there. Now, Ryle doesn't necessarily believe in complete sanctification here on earth, but he does believe that we are to be a holy people. It's an ongoing process in our lives. Now, last week, we talked about God being holy. This week, we must take a moment and dwell on what it means for you and me to be holy. And it's a little different from saying God is holy. That's his nature. It's who he is. And us being holy, that's who we are becoming as we draw nearer to God. So, I want to start by talking about what holiness is. I want to begin by sharing two quotes about holiness. Both of them are from the same author. This time, it's Eugene Peterson. One is classic in its doctrine, very familiar. The other is a punch to our current cultural climate. So, let's start with a more classic quote. And Eugene Peterson writes this, "'Holiness is the lifelong process by which our hearts and minds and bodies are conformed to Christ.'" Often I've talked about being Christ-like, and maybe you've heard that word, Christ-like, or heard someone talk about wanting to be like Jesus. And that's what Eugene Peterson's description refers to, Christ-likeness, that we are to conform, to take the shape of Jesus at all levels of our being and our intellect. In our emotions, in our passions, in our physical activities, each day somehow, in some way, you and I should look a little bit more like Jesus. Romans 8.29 confirms the Bible's call for us to be like Jesus. It reads like this, Romans 8.29 for those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. I mean, right there it's saying we are to be conformed into the likeness of Christ. J.C. Ryle writes again, Faith in Christ is the root of all holiness. Jesus is the beginning and the continuing of holiness. He's the source. He's the goal. Without Jesus, there can be no holiness. I need you to hear that up front. Three qualities of Jesus that I see are critical to our growing in holiness are these. One, that he submitted to the Father. There is a humbleness and an attitude of surrender in Jesus that we need to have in ourselves. It's not our nature to want to submit. The sinful nature in us wants to rebel. Yet you and I must submit to the Lord. Number two, Jesus was a servant to others. He was concerned not about wielding power over people, but in helping them and bringing out the best in them. And he did this through serving. And finally, of the many qualities we could highlight, the third one that I want to bring out right now is that Jesus was self-sacrificing. He gave all of himself so that we could be redeemed. It's ultimately the cross where we see his sacrifice, but his whole ministry was sacrificed from beginning to end. These three attributes build upon each other and they lead to holiness, starting with submission, continuing with serving and then sacrificing for others. Now, Peterson, when he writes about his classical definition of holiness, he he adds another dimension to conforming to Christ, becoming like Christ. The dimension he adds is that it is a lifelong process. Holiness doesn't happen overnight. We might have a growth spurt, The Holy Spirit may do a work in us that really moves us forward, but no one finishes the job while they're here on earth. Holiness is our task for our whole lives, to let God work that in us. It is a long, slow work. And I know what that means when I hear those words. It's a long, slow work. That means that most people aren't going to like it. We don't like slow, but slow is powerful. Growth cannot be hurried. When it is, when growth is hurried, it often results in weakness. And you and I need to remember that holiness is a long, slow work. And when we let it slowly do its work, it is powerful. Eugene Peterson continues and he writes, there is a great market for religious experience in our world but there is little enthusiasm for patient acquisition of virtue, little inclination to sign up for a long apprenticeship in what earlier generations of Christians called holiness. We don't like slow. We like fast. J.C. Ryle echoes the call to conform to Christ or to God when he says this, Holiness is the habit of being of one mind with God, agreeing with God's judgment, hating what He hates, loving what He loves, measuring by the standard of His Word. I know I've referred to Eugene Peterson quite a bit, J.C. quite. you're going to hear more quotes by both of them, but i got one more statement about holiness that I want you to hear. It helps us understand a little more of what it is and even more so how to go about working out holiness in our lives. So, the second statement goes like this. Eugene Peterson writes, holiness is the cultivated habit of responding to God's word instead of fitting into the world's program. That's worth reading again, so hear it again. Holiness is the cultivated habit of responding to God's word instead of fitting into the world's program. I have to admit, every time um, I read that statement, and I find it very convicting, and I ask myself if I'm answering to God's Word more than I am to the world. This statement is asking, where are you spending your energy in your thoughts, your worries, your time, your money for approval or to give recognition? And, and most of us, and I have to admit, I very often am giving my energy to the world around me. Instead of responding to the word of God. I mean, I try to respond to the word of God. I spend time in it. but We've got to be in the word if we're going to respond to it. John 17, 17 echoes that the word, God's word, should make us holy. John 17, 17 simply says this, Sanctify them by the truth. And your word is truth. William Blake, in his poem, Jerusalem, writes a very simple line, and um, it's a good one. They become what they behold. You could say, you are what you eat. But I like they become what they behold a little better. Parents, remember this about your children. And each of us need to remember that whatever we behold, whatever we see, whatever we take into our minds, whatever we take into our thoughts, into our hearts, we become that. And the question of holiness and the question it asks is this, what are you beholding? What are you taking into your heart? What are you taking into your mind? Are you taking in the word of God, the leading of the Holy Spirit, or something else? One more quote on Christ's likeness, this time from Charles Spurgeon. If you would be holy, you must live close to Jesus. It's all kind of saying the same stuff. You got to be conformed to Christ. You got to be near Jesus. You got to take in the word. Holiness is conforming to Christ. And it's also important to take a few moments then, if we talk about what holiness is, is to talk about what holiness is not. And so, holiness is not, and and we need to dwell on that statement for a moment. If holiness is conforming to Christ, if holiness is responding to God's word over the program of this world, we need to recognize that there are some things we think holiness is that it's not because there's a lot of confusion and misperception about holiness. And it's important to know that holiness is not simply and not just managing behavior. That is to say that we obsess over good behavior or even good talk. Some might describe it as good religious talk. One can put on good airs and be empty of holiness. Some of the most religious people are some of the most unholy, and in the Bible, all we have to point to are the Pharisees. They are some of the most religious people who behave in holy ways. They do good things, but they're also some of the most angry people with Jesus. They don't care about conforming to Christ. They don't care about drawing near to Jesus. All they care about is managing their behavior and others' behavior. That's not quite holiness. And holiness is also, and I mentioned this earlier, it's not complete perfection, at least not here on earth. Nowhere in the Bible does it say that on this side of heaven, that you and I will become completely perfect, finished. Aside from Jesus Christ, there has never been a perfect man or a perfect woman that walked on this earth. J.C. Ryle comments on the problem of complete complete perfection here on earth and he he says you know that that actually brings forth some issues and he says first it disgusts non-believers who can see how bad people really are it's a problem because non-believers go huh you're not measuring up to what you claim secondly it depresses christians who feel like perfection is always beyond their grasp because while we're on this earth it is And thirdly, he says it's a pitfall to the human ego, making us think that we're something even though we cannot escape our sin right now. Beware of anyone who wants to describe holiness as just good behavior or says that you can conquer sin completely under your own power. Please be careful to hear what I'm saying. Holiness is not something that I do or you do under our own power. It's something that Christ does in us, the Holy Spirit does in us, and it's worked over our whole lives. Holiness is about Jesus and conforming to him and letting him rule over your life. Galatians 2.20 says this. Paul writes, and he says, I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I live I now live in the body. I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and he gave himself for me. It's all about Jesus there. Holiness is a matter of the heart and it's an act of continual surrender. It is a seeking of God's face. So, holiness is not just behavior management. It's not aiming at complete perfection right here, right now. It is conforming. Continually conforming more and more to Christ. So now we need to ask the question, why holiness? And it's worth asking, why holiness? What makes it important? What does holiness do? Is there any benefit? Isn't salvation enough? Why do we have to worry about holiness? And I'm not proposing that you worry about holiness. I'm proposing that you recognize the importance of holiness. And the first reason why we should be concerned with holiness is that holiness is commanded by God. If the Bible is important to you at all, then the commands of God contained inside the Bible should be important to you. And all through the Bible, there is a call to be holy. And one of the clearest calls that we read, and we read it two weeks ago, comes from 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 15 and 16, and it says this, But just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. For it is written, Be holy because I am holy. So there's a command to be holy. Secondly, holiness is why Christ came to earth. Yes, he came to save us, but it had another dimension to it. And we read it in Ephesians chapter 5, verses 25 through 26. There it's talking about the marriage relationship, but it's telling us about what Jesus has done. It says, Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy cleansing her by the washing with water through the word. Christ came to love us and to make us holy, to make the church holy. That's one reason he came, so we ought to get to the work of becoming holy. Holiness is also, thirdly, an act of worship. 2 Corinthians chapter 7 verse 1 says this. Therefore, since we have these promises, dear friends, let us purify ourselves from everything that contaminates body and spirit, perfecting holiness out of reverence for God. So reverence is that worship there. Now you might say, Pastor, you just said perfecting holiness. It says it does say perfecting holiness, but it is working towards it. It's not the completion. It's the process. Romans 12.1 says this, Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good and pleasing and perfect will. Did you hear the word conform? Did you hear that we are to be a holy and pleasing sacrifice, living sacrifice to God? It's an act of worship. Holiness is worship. Holiness is, number four, also a witness. One of the easiest ways to see this is to recognize the absence of holiness. When it's it's missing in a Christian's life, it damages the witness of the gospel. Nothing turns a person off from Christianity more than seeing a Christian who behaves badly. That's especially true, and it's been all over the news for several years now, pastors who are found in sin and they do something wrong. They they do something and their lack of holiness becomes an awful witness for the gospel. It damages the work of the church so much. So, holiness, when we live a life, and it's not a weight to put on our shoulders, but it's an an act that we are aiming at, becoming holy. When we do it, it proclaims the power of God. J.C. Ryle describes this witness as the evidence of our faith. He says it's the evidence of our love for Jesus and evidence that we are part of God's family. It's a witness. John fourteen five goes along with that. Jesus says, if you love me, keep my commands. In other words, if you love Jesus, you will let holiness grow in you. Fifthly, why we uh, pursue holiness is this. Holiness prepares us for heaven. If heaven is our eternal destination and in heaven is the holy presence of God, then we need to get ready. It'd be a shame if you show up in heaven and you've never done anything to be ready for the holy presence of God. Remember Hebrews 12, 14, it says, without holiness, no one will see the Lord. I'm not sure that what I read there is as ominous as I made out at the beginning, as much as a call to the necessary spiritual growth to get us ready for heaven. So there's a lot of reasons why we pursue holiness, but how do we do it? How do we practice holiness? What must you do? And how do you become holy? Hopefully, you've picked up a few ways already. But I want to mention three as we come to a close. These are kind of the big ideas behind holiness. And one is this. God is the source of our holiness. Before any other strategy for holiness is practiced, you and I must realize that holiness comes from the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. If you are unwilling to let them work holiness in your life, you will never have it. No amount of good behavior or religious knowledge can produce godly holiness. 1 Thessalonians 5.23 says this, May God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. May your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus. Right then and there it says that God is the one who works holiness in us. So, firstly, how do I practice holiness? You let the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit do that work in you. You submit to them. Secondly, yes, there is a part we play in holiness. It's all through the Bible, especially in the New Testament. It's through the whole Bible. There is a call to abstain from sin. So, to be holy, yeah, you have to actively abstain from sin. I know that's not popular to hear today. Absolutely no one likes to be told what to do. No one likes to be told that they are wrong. No one likes their bad behavior pointed out. But holiness cannot be cultivated in your life unless you are willing to identify the sin in you and stop practicing it. J.C. Ryle clarifies this about holiness. He says, faith alone justifies, meaning saves us, but not faith alone sanctifies or makes us holy. That is to say this, faith makes us holy, but not faith by itself. Faith alone saves. We need that, absolutely. But there are too many calls in the New Testament for Christians to abstain from sin, for us to simply say, faith alone makes us holy. Your actions are important in growing in the holiness of your life. Third John, it's only got one chapter, but verse 11 says this, Dear friend, do not imitate what is evil, but what is good. Anyone who does what is good is from God, and anyone who does what is evil has not seen God. I read that verse just simply to point out, this is a letter written to Christians, to a Christian, and it simply says, don't do what's evil, do what's good. You have a responsibility here. We need to hear that when we want to pursue holiness. 2 Timothy chapter 2 verses 20 and 21 also fits perfectly with the definition of holy to be set apart to uh from what is common and I want to read these words to you 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 20 and 21, it says, In a large house, there are articles not only of gold and silver, but also of wood and clay. Some are for special purposes and some for common use. Those who cleanse themselves from the latter will be instruments for special purposes, made holy, useful to the master, and prepared to do any good work. There's an activity in that verse that is our responsibility. J. C. Ryle again writes these words: In justification, the word to address to people is believe and only believe. In sanctification, the word must be, and I love this, because we need to take this to heart. The w- in the terms of sanctification, the word given to us must be watch, pray, and fight. Watch. Pray and fight, and there is activity in there for us to do. So, when I talk about being holy, pursuing holiness, practicing holiness, and that we need to actively abstain from sin, that means that we have a job to do. And I love what he writes watch, pray, and fight because it is a fight. The third thing I would talk about when it comes to practicing holiness in your life is that you need to be in the Bible and be in prayer. Just a few more thoughts from J.C. Ryle, um, and then we'll finish here. Mr. Ryle, Pastor Ryle, saw one of the greatest enemies of holiness as a growing ignorance of Scripture in his day, and uh, that's true now as well. I challenge you, get into the Bible I suspect that there are a lot of people in our world today, they want to hear the voice of God. They want want a touch from the Lord, and then they get frustrated when they get no answer. There's just silence. But they're also not reading the Bible. And if you're not in the Bible, if you're not reading His Word, you're not going to hear His voice, at least not very often. Make the Word of God a priority in your life. and When you do, God will do the work of bringing holiness into your life. J.C. Ryle also writes this little phrase, The Bible and the pulpit must never supersede the Bible at home, meaning you can't get all your spiritual food from the Bible from your pastor. you got to work at it, too. So get into the Word. Read it. Prayer is also essential for, for holiness. Prayer is speaking with God. That's one of the most easy ways to describe it. Prayer is less about what we ask of God, though. I mean, we often think of, what are your prayer requests? We ask God for stuff. But prayer is less about what we ask of God and more about slowing down and waiting in God's presence. Last quote from J.C. Ryle. He says this, What is the reason that some believers are so much brighter and holier than others? I believe the difference in 19 cases out of 20 arises from different habit, habits about private prayer. I believe that those that are not eminently holy, they pray little. And those who are eminently holy, they pray much. I want to read to you that first verse of Scripture again, Hebrews twelve fourteen. I want you to hear it one last time. I hope you hear the urgency in it. For holiness. Because holiness is how you experience the very best of life. Will you answer God's call to be a holy people? Hebrews twelve fourteen. make every effort to live in peace with everybody and to be holy. Without holiness, no one will see the Lord. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, you are the author of life and you have offered us salvation from our sin. You have also called each Christian to be holy, to be yours. Lord, help me, help those listening, when we want to take charge instead of submit to your transforming power in our lives. Help each one of us to grow each day in holiness. Each day that we would become more and more conformed to the image of Christ. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Go with Jesus.